When's the best time to get that hip replacement? We're going to talk about that next on Scope Radio. Access to our experts with in-depth information about the biggest health issues facing you today. The Specialists with Dr. Tom Miller is on The Scope. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom Miller, and I'm here with Dr. Chris Peters. Chris Peters is a professor of orthopedic surgery here at the University of Utah. Chris, the old saw was, well, at least when I trained in medical school, if you had to have your hip replaced or your knee replaced, you ought to wait as long as possible, maybe even till the time that you're crawling, because there was some concern that the surgery was a little risky. That's not the case now, is it? No, no, you're right, Tom. I, there has been a fairly profound change over the last, oh, I'd probably say the last 20 years. You know, when hip and knee replacement was first uh, begun in the late 1960s and 1970s, those uh, initial cases were done in people who had kind of disastrous arthritis and they were, you know, folks who were predominantly wheelchair bound and they were the worst of the, the worst. Yeah. The worst of the worst. And, you know, over time, what we have seen is that there's been a slow, steady change and a, and a realization that actually waiting is perhaps detrimental to overall patient health in many cases. And so I think now we realize that, for instance, if a patient's in their early 60s and has some health problems, which is common these days, diabetes, high blood pressure, and their their functional status is profoundly impaired, that is, they can't go out and recreate, they can't go for a, a walk around the block, they can't go play with the grandkids comfortably, those patients are probably better off treated with surgery earlier rather than uh, the old conventional wisdom of waiting as long as you possibly can. Well, technology and techniques have improved, I would think, remarkably since the first, you know, joint implants have been done, right? So a lot has changed in terms of the, you know, functionality of the of the implants and the time to recovery and the physical therapy that's done afterwards so that people can get back to doing many of the things that they were doing previously sooner. Absolutely. Uh, again, back in the 70s and even into the early 80s and 90s, we had concerns about implant longevity. We used to tell patients, we hope this would last, you know, a hip or a knee replacement would last 10 years. And what we found uh, is that the longevity of the current generation of prostheses that we use is probably more likely 15 to 20 years. And and so, again, that patient who's in their early 60s is likely to see uh, a hip or a knee replacement last the rest of their life, and they're likely to see their functional status be uh, quite good throughout the last several decades of their life. Now, is it true the longer one waits, the kind of weaker the ligaments and muscles around that particular joint become? And I would I would think if that was the case, that rehabbing that area after surgery would be even harder. Right. And that's and what what we find is that patients who who wait too long come to us in what we call a deconditioned state. So we start to see deterioration in other organs and 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 often what goes along with that is obesity weight gain, and and many of these things can be reversed uh, when you restore ambulation, you restore the ability to get out and exercise. Um, and so I think patients often today are, are much better to have an arthritic hip or knee replaced sooner rather than later. So, Chris, when would the right time be? I mean, it's individual. Obviously, it's an individual decision. But how do you advise patients? The optimum time, obviously, is individualized for every patient that we see. But if a patient comes to us and they have x-ray or radiographic evidence of arthritis and can describe to us a significant impairment in their life, whether that impairment is the inability to go out and play nine holes of golf after work 
or whether that impairment is a you know an inability to go to the zoo with their grandkids on the weekend and they're experiencing significant pain and they've gone through a period of time using um, the standard medications that people use for pain such as anti-inflammatories if they've gone through that process and they're in that position they're probably ready for a joint replacement do you ever recommend that they do some of these other treatments such as uh, injections into the joint of lubricants or prednisone something to calm the joint down before you make that decision sure there's absolutely a role for what we would call conservative or non-operative therapy um, and there's evidence that for instance, in the knee, that corticosteroid injections can provide short-term symptomatic relief. And we'll use those uh, fairly commonly in patients in the earlier stages of arthritis. But once you get to significant bone-on-bone contact, and whether it's in the hip or the knee, those modalities tend to be just very short-term pain relief, really aren't the long-term strategy They're for treating the patient. just don't last, do they? Right. The primary reason to do a hip replacement, as I understand it, is to reduce pain and to increase function. But it's so much more than that, isn't it, Chris? Right. And it's really a fascinating thing. You know, as orthopedic surgeons, we start a little bit with this tunnel vision. A patient comes in with um, an arthritic hip or a knee joint, and we get excited about replacing that because we know that there's pretty predictable improvement in pain and function when we do a hip or a knee replacement. But what we found over time is that There's incredible added benefits to the patient as well. So their overall health tends to improve. We see patients who come into us as a diabetic and who are significantly overweight, and now they can get back out and exercise. They can get on their bike. They get into a Zumba class. They lose weight. Often they'll go from an insulin-dependent diabetic to an an oral agent-controlled diabetic. Um, we, We see significant improvements in overall health just resulting from the ability to be more active after hip and knee replacement. So it's so much more than just improving function and decreasing pain. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that I that joint replacement surgeons didn't appreciate very much until I would say the last decade or so. But now we can, I think, very, very reliably with good literature support tell patients that not only is their arthritic hip or knee going to feel better, but likely their overall well-being will be better. TheScopeRadio.com is University of Utah Health Sciences Radio. If you like what you heard, be sure to get our latest content by following us on Facebook. Just click on the Facebook icon at TheScopeRadio.com.